The show made for moms and families. It's Channel Mom. Moms should get more credit. Back when I became a mom, I realized people thought my former career in TV news was more important than my motherhood. But that's backward because moms are raising that next generation and the world depends on us to do it well. So moms, this is your time to sit back, relax, and let Channel Mom cheer you on and equip you in your job as a mom because you're doing some of the most important work on the planet. Channel Mom, we encourage moms. Now, here's your host, Jenny Dean Schmidt. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to all the precious and valuable mothers out there. I am Jenny and this is Channel Mom, where we do encourage moms. We focus on your amazing value as a mom in this world because I think often the world overlooks it and you're not honored and we want to honor you. Okay, question. You know, I like to start with a question. Do you ever feel held back by the dysfunction in your life? Maybe you're struggling with an addiction uh, or somebody in your life is and you feel the shame that can come with that. Maybe you're weighed down by life right now as a mother. We're going to help you with all of this. Uh, learn to reframe your life and find freedom from what holds you back as a mother, a wife, and a woman who's got a destiny. We've got author Irene Rollins on the show with us today. She'll share inspired tips from her book, Reframe Your Shame, Experience Freedom from What Holds You Back. Plus some special giveaways for Grandparents Day. That's all coming up when we return with the rest of Channel Mom. Moms are a big deal, but sometimes the world forgets. That's why Channel Mom Media and Outreach is here. We exist to love, coach, and encourage every mom, whether she's struggling with parenting, single motherhood, homelessness, or locked in prison. On the radio and social media, Channel Mom works to remind each mom of her importance and give her the latest and best advice. We also reach out to moms with our hands and feet, helping homeless and incarcerated moms, as well as moms in the country and mothers in the city. You can join our work by praying for us, volunteering, or giving at ChannelMom.com. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Colorado Army National Guard. Aired by the Colorado Broadcasters Association at this station. Channel Mom with Jenny Dean Schmidt. Hey, welcome back, you guys, to the show for all the moms out there. And, of course, we welcome the dads and the kids and the pets as well. A shout-out to all of our markets around the country, our brand-new market in Salem, Oregon, also, our friends in Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, Little Rock, Arkansas, been with us for a long time, Oklahoma, Springfield, Illinois, Colorado Springs, Idaho, and right here in Denver. So grateful for our loyal listeners here in Denver. And welcome to our podcast listeners from around the country. Please be sure to tell people that we're on podcast and they can get us anytime on demand on podcast on Spotify, Audible, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, before we get to our guest, who's, who's very important and has a lot of important things to say. I want to say one thing in defense. Well, it's not one thing. It's a couple of things. I want to say this in defense of motherhood. Now, I have to start by acknowledging that I, that I work very hard not to share my political opinion, opinions or to push my faith views on this show because I want every single mom to feel welcomed and loved 
by the source behind Channel Mom. But I've got to say this today. I believe there's an undercurrent of what I might call a war on motherhood emerging in our culture. Um, I was just talking to our GM and he said, well, this has been around for a while. And I said, yeah, but it's getting worse. So, so I really do see a war on motherhood. And let me explain. This morning, I read the statistic that the number of 25 to 50-year-old women who have now had to enter the workforce has spiked. And it spiked last month, hitting its highest level since the year 2000. Now, some believe this is the result of mothers having to leave home due to the rising cost of living. So they've had to leave home. Maybe they were being stay-at-home moms. They've had to leave home and come back. This is sad only if it means that moms who wanted to stay home to raise their kiddos can no longer do that because of the economy. I recognize that some moms want to work outside of the home, and, and I honor that. This is not coming from a place of judgment. But I do feel like some moms feel like they no longer have the liberty to raise their children at home. That's not really valued so much in our culture. And whatever you might think of Roe v. Wade and the recent Supreme Court decision, it's very clear as you watch recent protests that there's a large contingent of Americans angry about women being, quote, forced, as they put it, to become moms. They say this is a choice about their own bodies and they should say themselves when it's right or when it's wrong to have a baby for themselves. I believe that underneath all of this, there's a subtle suggestion that motherhood is undesirable. We need to be careful as we walk down this road. Birth rates have dropped precipitously in our nation over the last 15 or 20 years. Most every year there's been a, a drop. And now we're screaming in the streets for our right not to be a mom. I just want you to think about that. Just think about it because I see an undercurrent that I find pretty awful. Uh, and, and I love motherhood and I love moms and I want to be there to support every mom. So that's why I had to say that. Speaking of being a mom, my 19-year-old daughter in the house today, Georgia Grace, she's going to help me run the show. She's going to join us in a little bit. But first to our guest, um, Irene Rollins is passionate about the physical, mental, and emotional and spiritual health of all people. She's a certified emotional intelligence coach and studies human behavior. Um, she is a pastor, I believe. I'm kind of trying to whip through her, her bio so we can get to her. She models accountability and often reminds those in, in the addiction community to do the work. And if you aren't willing to work on your recovery, you're working on your relapse. So we got a lot to talk about today. This is something I don't talk about very often, and I thought we have to hit on it. The things that involve addiction, and we've got all different kinds of addiction that have, addictions that have erupted and grown in the last couple of years through the pandemic. So welcome, Eileen, Irene Rollins, to Channel Mom. Thank you so much, Jenny, for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. We really are. And this is this is some touchy stuff we're going to talk about today. But when I read, you know, I get a ton of stuff from PR folks saying, hey, have my author on, have my author on. But I, when I read yours, I thought this is different. This is something that, that we don't talk about a lot that needs to be talked about. So it, we're going to talk about addiction. We're going to talk about shame. We're going to talk about the dysfunction that comes from all of that. But you in your book say that it's time to reframe our shame, to find freedom. So the book is literally called Reframe Your Shame. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But I, I went out to get two quick clips because I like to have something I call a show setup soundbite. So first, I found a clip that is the definition of dysfunction. Here we go. The definition for dysfunctional is not operating normally or properly or deviating from social norms that may be considered as bad. <laughs> 
Dysfunctional families typically come from addiction or abusive behavior. Okay, so that's dysfunction, and you also define it in your book. But then I went and found one more clip that talked about shame, because I thought shame is such a kind of a nebulous word. We don't, people have different views of what shame is. So I I went and and found a therapist online. I think he says, he calls himself something like Ask the Therapist. And this was his definition of family shame. The first rule in a shame-bound family system is to always be perfect. And that always is just as crazy as the perfect. Yeah. What do you think of all those definitions, Irene? Oh, wow. Yeah, they definitely resonate with me, um, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I hear the, the dysfunction one. Uh, who gets to define what's functional and what is normal? Society? Yeah. yeah so I question that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Good, good point. Because she 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 did use the word normal, um, and she's a licensed therapist. Uh, what is she? A licensed counselor. So I thought, mm-hmm. all right, she sort of knows what she's talking about. But but you're right. What is normal? So so let's get to your book so we can start defining some of these things. You share very. I mean, I was riveted. I, I was just reading it page by page in the last day or two. And you share your own story as a mom and a wife and a pastor of a very successful church, you share your story of pain and shame related to alcohol addiction. And you're very honest, and I applaud you for that. Can you just give us like the three-minute overview of what was happening and how your husband and children and your family were affected by your cycle of addiction? Sure. So I was introduced to alcohol at a very young age, like 10, uh, when I lived overseas. So culturally, it was an acceptable thing. Didn't really understand alcoholism or addiction or anything like that. It was nowhere close to being in my mindset. Um, I started having a family at 21 when I met my husband and uh, got into the church scene and helping him uh, run his parents' church. So alcohol wasn't a part of my life, and I was popping out babies all through my 20s. And when I hit my 30s, we were relaunching the church, and we were becoming the senior leaders. And as we did that, so did uh, all of the stress and uh, pressures of, you know, growing a successful ministry along with parenting and being a wife and all of those things. It was super heavy. Um, I didn't know that I was allowed to say or that it was okay to say that I was struggling with it. Um, I also was dealing with at that time, uh, our, the church, as the church was growing, we, I was beginning to have like all of this stuff from my childhood come up, stuff that I had disassociated from, and I was having flashbacks. I didn't know what to do with any of these things. So little did I know that when we it reintroduced alcohol back into our life on a vacation, that over a six-year period of time, I would go from, oh, a glass of wine on the weekends. Um, to a bottle of wine while cooking dinner, to two bottles, and then hiding vodka and water bottles, and so on and so forth. My tendency increased, and um, addiction took over. And I was a functional alcoholic during the day. I worked, took care of my family, but in the evenings, as I got closer to needing to go to rehab, I was binge drinking, blackout, that type of thing in the evenings, and I was just full of so much shame that I was borderline suicidal um, and uh, really just needed help. And it was my husband's ultimatum that got me to rehab. He was like, either you go to get help or I'm leaving. And the shame of the fact that 
people would find out that I ruined our ministry, ruined my kids' lives, was so much, um, too much to bear. So I did go to rehab, mm-hmm. and it was the best thing that happened to me yeah. because my life completely changed for the for the better. And it's there that I found how much dysfunction I was in, and it's been turned around for good, not just for me, but for other people. Yeah. And and that's why you bravely share your story. That's a lot to admit as somebody who runs a successful church, as somebody who has kids that are out there in the world and you think, oh my goodness, how is this story being revealed going to impact people? But, but, but I was very drawn to it, first of all, by your honesty and the way in which you turned to the God of the universe in the midst of it and um, faith, obviously. And, but I thought we need to, we need to, we need to, to frame this particular story in light of addiction because I think this is something we haven't talked a lot about, but we all sort of know that in the last couple of years, addiction to whatever it is, whether it's food or, or alcohol or drugs or, or you know, a form of manipulation or sex or porn, I think most folks would agree that that has increased with, with the stress and, and the, the isolation of the pandemic. And I thought, so we got to address this and we got to talk about it because if it's not you as a mom that's going through it, you may have a friend, you may have a spouse, you may have a child. And I think, man, we have to, we have to rest a little bit in this area of addiction. And then we're going to move on to how do, how do we reframe when we've got the shame that comes with addiction or the shame of being associated with somebody who's an addict or or the shame of somebody who's, who's doing whatever. I mean, I think a lot of things we don't identify as addiction, but, but so many of our bad behaviors have to do with addictions. Um, So, so let's talk about that a little bit more for somebody that says, is this stuff going on in my life or in the life of somebody that I love? What are some of the signs of somebody who's addicted to, to alcohol or, cause I think, I think we often want to write it off. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you talk about that very honestly about how you want to be this perfect person. You want to put on a good show and with social media and everything, that's so important that we put on this good mm-hmm. face. And, and you talk about how, how you could make it look good. You could go to church, you could be functional, you could do all these things. And I think that's going on in a lot of people's lives or, or in their friends or spouses or whatever lives. So can you define some of the signs that people can identify with of, a, of an addict? Sure. We don't get to being an addict overnight. We don't just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to be an alcoholic and wreck my life and my family, get DUIs and go to jail. Or, you know, use food to take ourselves somewhere emotionally and end up 400 pounds like my husband did and uh, with congestive heart failure. It's It's slow and insidious, and these decisions start out with a mindset, a dysfunctional mindset. Uh-huh. And it, what, when we are, um, if we get honest and we start becoming more aware of what dysfunction looks like, then perhaps we could begin to deal with the root issue and not just focus on the symptom. The addiction is the symptom uh-huh. of a root issue. Uh-huh. Codependency, I believe, is at the root of all addictions. Um, codependency is really what a dysfunctional family is all about. And I think there's a little bit of dysfunction in all of our families because uh, if codependency is uh, a person who has difficulty like experiencing appropriate levels of self-esteem, setting boundaries, owning and expressing your own reality um, and being able to reality test it, uh, taking care of uh, other people's needs and wants and not taking care of your own 
um, these are symptoms of of codependency that come from our childhood experiences. Uh, So I would venture to say we all come from dysfunction. And the problem with addiction is when we're in dysfunctional systems, we don't cope properly with the stresses, with our self-esteem, with ruptures in relationship and things like that. So, and when we don't take care of ourselves, we are miserable and create our own prisons, right? So then this is when addiction is sneaky and can get us without us seeing it coming because you, there could be just something in your life that brings you a little bit of joy and then suddenly you're using it out of moderation and then you're binging or using it more often. Then you're becoming preoccupied by it, by it. and your consequences for using that person, that place or that thing is increasing DUIs, workaholism. Um, now you have anxiety, you can't sleep. Um, you're trying to be the perfect mom and uh, check all the boxes and you can't because there's only so much time in the day and you can't be perfect because there's no perfect human. So mm-hmm. we're using work, we're using perfectionism and pretending and performing and it's causing us a disservice. So as the consequences increase, we begin to ignore them. This is where we're the slippery slope of addiction. This is what it looks like. Then we, when we are ignoring them, now we're feeling shameful because we're overusing it. So we hide and isolate. Now we're rationalizing. I just need a drink to take the the edge off. Oh, I just need another, um, you know, this 12 pack of chicken nuggets to make me feel better. And before you know it, those excuses have us believing our own hype and we're isolated. We're not telling anybody about it because we hide in our shame. So then shame sets in and whatever it is that we're using, addiction takes over. Brain is hijacked. I was a mom, a pastor, a wife, and I chose was choosing alcohol over my kids. That's when I knew addiction had taken over and hijacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good. I, I normally don't let a guest go on for five minutes, but that you just hit so many nails on the head there. And I think a lot of people need to see that to identify with what's going on. I, we only have about seven minutes left, so I want to make sure that we get to your, reframing your shame. And, and I want to say one mm-hmm. thing. It occurs to me as you were talking about all of that, that what's really mm-hmm. happening in, in these behaviors that have to do with addictions and have to do with isolating and hiding and is, is a lack of truth-telling. That, that people mm-hmm. won't just say what's actually going on inside of their hearts and minds. And, and so they mm-hmm. medicate and they turn to other things and they distract and, and, and that's when this stuff comes up. And then there's that toxic shame and you're, and you're trying to say, let's reframe that shame. Let's get out of it. Let's find freedom. So, so why don't mm-hmm. you spend the next couple of minutes before, because we got to do a little giveaway for Happy Grandparents Day sure. this weekend. Um, why don't you just take the next couple of minutes to tell people the, the techniques you discovered in reframing what's been going on with you with addiction and these, these behaviors that are destructive, how do you reframe that shame? Yes, first of all, you have to be aware of it. So that whole awareness of what is shame, shame says I am bad. Guilt says I did something bad. So when we're feeling shame, we uh, need to look at it, bring it to the light, talk about it, it loses its power. The moment we express it, the moment we get honest and share it out loud, write it in a journal, tell our spouse, tell our friend. Um, that we're struggling, that I'm not perfect, that I'm falling apart, I'm having a bad day, the shame immediately loses its power. 
when we don't do that, it can become toxic over time, which causes mental health issues, depression, anxiety, then we abuse something because we're reaching for something to cope. So the, the key here is to recognize shame when it happens. And in my book, I talk about where you feel it in your body. I'm so aware of it now when it hits me that I look at it and say, is it true that I am bad? No, I just made a mistake. So I'm going to, if we make a decision in that moment to look at things from a different point of view, which is what reframing is, what if I looked at it from a different point of view? My, I hurt my kids. That is fact. I drank, binged, they felt unsafe, and I was tortured by the thought that I had hurt my kids. But in reality, when I reality test that thing, I did hurt my kids. How did I reframe it? It was by going to them and saying, tell me more about how you felt unsafe. How did I hurt you? I made amends. I apologized. And how God reframed it for good and I've been able to use it for good is showing and demonstrating my children that I am sorry and that my behaviors have changed. I am not the shame of what I did, but how it's reframed is my children celebrating me. Every year I'm sober. Every day, every month I'm sober. And they see the sober mom as a success, as bravery versus something shameful. Well, and you know what? The, the great thing about that is that, yes, they got to see you fail and they will fail too. But then they got to see mm-hmm. your victory and they got to see you reframe things. And, and you're leaning into the scripture that says God works all things together for good for those who love mm-hmm. him and are called according to his purpose. And so for you, you said, all right, I, I don't have to walk around with this heavy weight of being an alcoholic, identifying myself as an alcoholic for the rest of my life. I can say, no, God's going to work this together for good. And I can step into that and reframe it in that context and say, this is going to turn into something good before my children, before my husband in front of them, right? So I, lo- mm-hmm. I, I love that you said that. All right, so Jim, what, we got four minutes. Um, I want to make sure that people know how to find you, find your help, find your book, because this is this is so important for so many people listening today. So tell people how to find you, Irene, how to find your church, how to find your book. Sure. So my name, uh, Irene Rollins, www.irenerollins.com um, is my website, and you can find me anywhere, my book, anywhere where books are sold, Amazon. My website, follow me at Irene Rollins on Facebook and on Instagram. And we actually don't pastor a church anymore because oh. we are our entire lives helping marriages um, through our ministry, Two Equals One. And you can go to twoequalsone.com to learn more about that or find us at Marriage Equation uh, on Instagram. We just launched a new podcast there, and we're really just using our story to help people um, really believe in marriage again because we we got through some pretty rocky things. And, yes, uh, yes. We've been married 23 years, and it's been the best seven years ever. Well, <laughs> seven years yes, sober. seven years sober, and congratulations. Yeah. God bless you for doing that brave work and, and making creating an honest example for other folks. I appreciate you, Irene. Thank you so much for being on Channel Mom, and God bless your family. Thank you so much. All right, take care. All take right, care. it's time. Jim, you're going to have to figure out which mic she's on. Um, to, yes, it's time for Miss Georgia Grace. My 19-year-old daughter in the house. She's not back yet at college, and I love her so. Um, I don't know what social sociologist or psycho- psychologist probably think of this, but you're kind of my best friend and my daughter. But uh, in the house today, welcome to Channel Mom, Georgia. Oh, do we hear her? Jim's trying to find your mic. Try again. 
Sorry, Jim. (laughs) What do we think? It is happy grandparents. I should say it's grandparents day this weekend. And we're here to acknowledge that there are so many grandparents that are raising their kids kids they're very involved in their grandchildren's lives they are stepping in as mothers and fathers so grateful for all the grandparents out there what would you like to say about your grandparents and the book gave giveaway that we have for grandparents today we love grandparents i especially love my grandparents (laughs) i think i have the best grandparents in the whole world um the first book is called thank you god for grandma Thank you, God, for grandma. I thank God for my grandma every day. Yes. And the second one is called Grandma Cuddles. Grandma Cuddles. Thank you, God, for grandma. These are sweet board books. Um, so for younger kids, we are giving them away today on Channel Mom. So grateful uh, for that ability to do so. So you're going to email us at info at channelmom.org, info at channelmom.org if you'd like to win those books. Sweet little thing to give to your grandkids so they can read about grandma and grandpa. So I love that. Thank you, Georgia Grace, for being on Channel Mom. I love you. Thanks, Mom, for having me. You're welcome. All right. Thanks for tuning in today. This is the time in the show that I remind you of how valuable you are as a mom. You are doing one of the most important jobs on the planet. God knows that. He sees. And I so appreciate that you're working so hard, sacrificing so much to raise up that next generation well, to be a blessing in this world. So you should be walking the red carpet of life. Thank you for all you do. Remember to check us out at channelmom.org. You can become a volunteer. You can become a donor. You can become part of our prison program. We go into prisons to to rescue moms, to transform their lives so they can be reunited with their children one day, and that legacy of imprisonment will not get repeated. We help moms wherever we can. Channelmom.org is where you can find that out. And remember to listen to the podcast, tell other people about Channel Mom. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. If Channel Mom Radio and podcasts give your mom life a boost of encouragement, would you consider supporting us? In order to keep our broadcasts on the air and serve moms and kids on the ground, we need help from listeners like you. You can support us through a one-time donation or by signing up to be a monthly partner at an amount of your choice. Just go to channelmom.org and click donate at the top of the page. New monthly donors will receive a special gift package in the mail. While research shows moms are undervalued and families are struggling to stay together, Channel Mom works to lift up motherhood and add value to your family. We depend on donors like you to provide outreach to at-risk moms in prison and homeless shelters or dealing with single motherhood. Our life-changing programs are over capacity, so your donation will help us serve more moms and kids. Be a part of the change you want to see for mothers and families. Visit channelmom.org and click donate. We thank you for your generous support, and may God bless you for coming alongside Channel Mom.